to the Voice of HK podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Bajik-Smith, and in over a decade, I have supported hundreds of older adults to improve their well-being in late life. This podcast offers an authentic insight into aged care, practical tips, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person needs to feel heard, loved, and understood. And it is my mission to halve the depression rates in Australian aged care facilities by 2022. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to have a special guest with this interview today to talk about spirituality in aged care. Her name is Jenny Block, and she's worked as a chaplain for 12 years. She's got a huge team of chaplains who work in aged care, and I understand she's also got a lot of volunteers. I have 100 volunteers who support older people. So welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to work in aged care? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Jenny Block. And uh, I was, uh, my background is teaching. I did that for quite a few years and left that and was working as a pastoral care worker within a church. Did that for some time uh, and went back teaching, but I knew that pastoral care was really my first love. And I was at a meeting and I heard somebody talking about chaplaincy and I knew straight away that that was, that was my space. So I went off and did some training at Royal North Shore Hospital. Uh, I did my uh, clinical pastoral education and then went to a Bible college and did some training there as well. And here I am now today, 12 years later, still in the game and loving it. So you've got a huge team. I understand you've got five managers who report to you and you've got a huge team of volunteers and chaplains who visit uh, older people in various aged care facilities. Yes, uh, I do, not only, um, not only in facilities but also in their homes. So we're across the board. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about what is spiritual care and who is it for? Spiritual care is for everybody. We all need spiritual care. And I really believe that spiritual care begins with human contact. And uh, it's just recognising and responding to the needs of the person that we're listening to. I love it. We actually, within our training for our pastoral care volunteers, we call it the dance. So the spiritual carer, the person that's doing the listening, is actually the part, uh, they're not the lead. So it's the person that is being cared for, is being listened to. Uh, they're the lead dancer and we, the spiritual carers, we need to be the partner and go where they need to go. Right. So it really requires a lot of skills from chaplains to be able to, to manage that. It does. It does. You need to have really good ability to be present to somebody. Um, it's really hard to be able to be present to people at times because we have our own conversation going on in our own head and we have to try and let that go so that we can really be able to listen, to also be able to watch a person, to see their body language and also be aware of our own body language and how we're responding to somebody. 
so that we're really being able to really be present to that person and that person feels very comfortable to be able to share their story. And this is really unusual for a lot of older people because, you know, the care delivery is so focused on physical care needs, but chaplaincy is something that really takes it to the next level when it comes to looking at spirituality and and even emotional well-being. And I've seen that relationship certainly between spirituality and emotional well-being with older people. Is this something that's come to to light in chaplaincy as well, the relationship between well-being and spirituality? Well, that's what chaplaincy is. It really is spiritual well-being. Uh, it's that connection. It's that relationship building. And, uh, of course, chaplains also do the religious care as well. But the spiritual care is the big umbrella and uh, and then underneath that umbrella is the religious care because if a person doesn't want religious care, if they say that they don't have a faith, uh, then the chaplain won't go there with that person. But they still need to be able to be present to that person. We call it the ministry of presence. So it's being present to that person and being able to engage with them in the area that they need. Okay, so even if the person says, look, I, I'm not religious, it doesn't mean that those visits from the chaplain would stop. It would just mean that the nature of the interactions would change. It would be that the nature of the interaction would be exactly what that person needs. I, I love, uh, it's a really simple definition of what spiritual well-being is and it's the quality of connections. So spiritual well-being is when a person is connected to themselves to others, to nature, to creativity, and then to something bigger, which can be their beliefs and religion. So, for example, if somebody has had a fallout with a family member, then a chaplain can sit with them and just hear that story. They may not be able to help them connect again with that family member, but just being able to sit and listen to their story and help them to be able to make sense with what's happened and may even be able to help them to make that connection again. But it may not include prayer or anything like that. It may if they want prayer, but it's just being present in that situation at that time of what they need. So often chaplains would have quite strong bonds that they would form with older people. We certainly can. It, that can be really hard. Um, And our time is limited. Uh, I remember one lady in the home, she was constantly saying no, that she didn't want to visit from a chaplain. And uh, finally she said yes. One time I rang her and said, would you like a visit? And she said yes. And she seemed a little reluctant, but I thought I'd just pop in. Uh, Won't stay long. And within two hours she was saying, well, you are coming back next week, aren't you? So very quickly we can build relationships with people that are very deep. And, of course, with older people, uh, they die. And uh, so chaplains are dealing with death and uh, relationships all the time in that way. And I, I feel that there's, a, there's been a shift more recently that chaplains are now getting involved with people earlier on in admission to aged care and even in the home environment rather than just dealing with people, you know, who are in palliative care and end of life. Would that be right? Yes, very much so. Because, look, there's a real shift to quality of life um, within residential uh, and and within the home, of course, as well. You know, well-being 
and quality of life is such a, a big thing now. And even within aged care, there's the new quality standards. And uh, in the old standards, um, there was only one heading that mentioned spiritual care. There's just one heading. Uh, but now in the new quality standards, it's actually quite, spiritual care is mentioned 32 times and religious care is mentioned 17, 17 times. So a major game changer for spiritual carers so that we do need to get to know them as soon as they come into a facility. Uh, we do spiritual need assessment to find out really what they need, uh, what they're expecting, um, so that we can be part of that whole journey for them so that they will have the best quality life that they can have in a facility. That sounds amazing. So that there's a lot of involvement earlier on since, you know, from admission onwards. So do you expect to see more challenges for chaplains as they're involved earlier on in the journey or is that pretty standard in terms of what, what they're doing in the interactions with residents earlier on? I think they have been involved with them earlier on um, from I've always known that throughout my time we've always needed to do that um, assessment and things like that but there's a greater expectation because even with the quality standards uh, when the auditors come in uh, going back 10 years ago when I would talk to the auditors it would be just a lovely little chat basically but I'm finding that my chaplains now they're being asked really difficult questions very specific questions about residents, asking them, you know, that they would say, you know, Betty, we'll call her Betty. Betty has got um, some mental health issues. Uh, she's suffering from anxiety. So as a chaplain, what are you doing to help her work through this? Uh, Ten years ago, we wouldn't have been asked that, but now we are, and we're having to show evidence of what we are doing to help that resident. So it really is putting more responsibility on the on the chaplains very much so and that's a that's a real struggle Julie because a, a very basic definition of chaplaincy is that ministry of presence so we need to be able to fight for our chaplains still to have time to be present to the residents uh, but they also need to be doing all this other work this paperwork and uh, collecting information and uh, so that they can prove the work that they're doing it's a very professional space, very professional space now. And I think because of the prevalence of mental health conditions being so high in, in aged care facilities and aged care facilities not employing mental health professionals, it seems like it's been, you know, put onto the chaplains to, uh, to address anxiety and, and such symptoms, which is, yeah, it's a huge responsibility. It certainly is. It is a big responsibility and we need to be working within the whole team to be helping these people with their mental health issues. From my experience visiting people in their homes and in residential care, I find that even in the ones that uh, whose physical health has declined, that their their spirituality is something that they can hang on to and and, and spend time uh, just reflecting and, and, and maybe praying or doing different strategies that help them uh, reduce their anxiety and increase that sense of calmness. Is that something that your chaplains report to you as well? Yeah, very much so, Julie, very much so. Because the other things have, have, have gone, uh, they're not as busy, they're not running around at work looking after children and things like that. So many of them even uh, go back to considering their old faith beliefs 
uh, the things that they were brought up with in their childhood. A wonderful story uh, about a, a gentleman. He was at early stage with dementia and I would go and visit him and I felt comfortable to be able to say to him, uh, would you like me to pray for you? And he would always say, oh, yes, please, don't leave without praying for me. So I would pray. And there was one day that his daughter was visiting him when I went to see him. And we had a lovely, lovely time, lovely chat together uh, with the daughter as well. And I did exactly what I had done at every other visit. And I said, oh, well, George, before I go, uh, um, oh, can I pray for you? And he looked at me and he said, oh, yes, definitely. And before I could start, the daughter actually became very angry and I stopped. And she was angry with her dad and she said you know, to her dad, you brought me up to not believe anything and now you're at the end of your life and you are believing something. Why are you doing this? So that was, uh, I was very early in my career in chaplaincy and that was a real eye-opener for me that a lot of them do return back to old faith ideas and beliefs. So that's, that's a journey that we as chaplains can do with people. Uh, which, which can be a lovely journey with people. But then there's also, uh, they start to look at connections that have broken. Uh, they may have had a fight with a sister and they haven't spoken to them for many years. And they can see that uh, their life is, there's not much, much of it left, that they are going to die soon. So they start to question whether this fight is really worthy of hanging on to and so we can do those types of discussions with them uh, and listen to them and help them work through whether it is time to contact somebody. Uh, one of my chaplains not that long ago, a gentleman that we knew that he was dying and he was quite distressed because he hadn't spoken to his sister for over 20 years. She was living overseas and uh, this chaplain was able to work through the, with the family and was able, he took in his computer and was able to set up a Skype meeting uh, with the sister. So they ended up having a wonderful conversation. There was lots of laughing, lots of tears and wonderful conversation and that gentleman died two days later. So, you know, such a privilege, the things that we can do with these people, uh, which the care workers quite often don't have the time to be able to stop and listen to those stories. Or the skills. Yes, and that's true. So one wonderful role we have as chaplains. That is truly amazing. And how does your team work with, with residents who, who come from culturally diverse backgrounds and, and how does that fit in? Uh, that, uh, that can be difficult. We also find as they're getting uh, those that are living with dementia, uh, can be losing their English language and going back to their original language. So therefore, we really do need to be working with families as well to help with the language barrier and to be hearing their stories. Uh, when it comes to religious care, we need to be working with uh, their choice of religious practitioners. So ringing up their old ministers or their priests uh, imams and people like that to get them to come in to the facilities to be able to visit them. But it really is, it's, it's sitting and listening to them, also ensuring that, uh, making sure that we're 
uh, providing even the right food for them, for their religious um, celebrations, making sure that they are eating the right food, but, uh, you know, those types of things. And I think the most important thing, Julie, is that we've been listening to their story and picking those things up, being able to put them into their care plans and passing on those important pieces of information um, across the board so that we are able to fulfil not only the chaplains but everybody else is fulfilling those really important things so that their spiritual well-being is the best that we can make it. Mm. Because my understanding is that from various cultures, sometimes it's just not feasible to get a minister or a priest to come and so residents embrace the support that they have on site and available to them. So I, I presume that with a lot of your chaplains, they would be working with a wide range of people who, you know, perhaps didn't embrace spirituality early on in their lives, might turn to it late in, in their late life. And very much so. And, um, and that can be like the, the religious part, the faith part, because uh, spirituality can be other than that. It's just that connection um, with, with nature and creativity um, that they, they're losing those things. You know, women that have knitted all their lives and they can't knit anymore because of their fingers uh, are full of arthritis. And, um, and, and that's a real disconnect for them in their spiritual well-being because they're not able to create those beautiful things. So it's trying to find something else that they can do to fill that gap so that they feel like they are creating beautiful things still. Um, and even the, the old gardeners, you know, that they can't get out in the garden anymore. There are falls risk, you know, those different things, you know, but helping them to be able to at least have pot plants uh, my mother-in-law, she's gone into care. She's always been a wonderful gardener. But you should see her. She's got a veranda and it's absolutely full of pot plants and she loves it. You know, and I went the other day and she picked a bit of gerbera for me so that I could take it home and put it in a vase, you know, things like that. So um, so it, it's not only just that religious care, uh, which we need to really work with them so that that can be fulfilled for them, uh, but also those other areas of, of connection but you're right, With uh, it can be very difficult at times to find a religious practitioner to come in and uh, we're working really hard to make the best connections we can with the churches in our areas. Um, we're Baptist care, so not only connections with Baptist churches but with, uh, with all the churches in our areas so that they will come in and do services. It's wonderful when we can get a priest to come into facilities to do a mass and, and, and do communion, uh, which is really lovely. So we just keep plugging at that and it's just another area that creates job. It's a big job uh, for our chaplains. Speaking of your chaplains and their jobs, do, do most of them have weekly group meeting with residents? Uh, do they have time when they take, call them to the, chap, uh, you know, to the chapel or how's that organised? Um, it depends on the chaplain, depends on the facility. Majority of our chaplains would do a chapel service. So that would be um, a Protestant service that they would do. So, And anybody is welcome to that. Uh, we need to have um, the care staff, the lifestyle staff to be involved in that as well, to be able to transport people 
to the chapel or to the, the common area where they do that. It might be a simple service for you know, 30 minutes. Um, to be able to do that, um, many residents will go to those services. Many residents that haven't been to church for years and years and years will come and enjoy singing the old hymns, the old choruses and, and hearing a, a, a simple message um, and to be able to pray. Um, and then uh, many of our chaplains also do group work and we try to do reminiscent work and uh, spirit, spiritual reminiscence. So, uh, that's very popular. We have some facilities where there's, because they will only do it in a small group, and we'll have a waiting list where people are wanting to join the group. So they have to wait, you know, a couple of months until the new group starts. So it's wonderful where the chaplain gets a group together and uh, they talk about the old days and they talk about what was precious to them. And uh, quite often it will come into their, their, um, their beliefs and their religious care and what was important to them as children and as young people. And they usually find a, a great connection with one another and they end up making some great friends. And we've even known that uh, the reminiscent group has finished because it might have gone for eight weeks, uh, but the group is still meeting and they'll have morning tea together, uh, creates great friendships. So, yes, we, uh, we try to encourage our chaplains to do those types of groups as well. That's, that sounds great because it sounds like there's a wide range of activities that they do from the group activities with the residents, reminiscence, then, you know, if they do the service or, you know, I know sometimes they're also called devotions, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. There's all sorts of different names that we can, we can call it. One-on-one -on -one time is very important. And our chaplains also are looking after their, uh, their pastoral care volunteers as well. So they all have, have a good team that's helping to look after and do a lot of the one-on-one -on -one conversations. Our chaplains are needing to become real experts in the area of palliative care uh, because our residents, they're coming in later in life. Uh, they're staying in their home for longer because they're being cared for there. So they're coming in generally speaking, when they are palliative, don't, you know, they may only have 12 months left to live, they can't stay at home any longer, um, or they're coming into the facilities uh, and they're living with dementia, so they can't look after themselves any longer. So our chaplains are becoming real specialists with dementia care and uh, with the palliative care. Mm. So, yeah, it sounds like they're, they're juggling a lot of responsibility there and yeah, it's, it, it is a busy task, certainly. So what tips do you have for our listeners who might be looking at organising spiritual care in, in their facility or in their home care provider? Like where would they start? Um, if somebody, one of their loved ones, has gone into a facility, do you mean? I would be hoping that they would be seeing that the care workers are spending a little bit of time with their family members being able to stop and listen to them uh, because we all need to be heard because there's so many challenges that the residents are going in with. They had having to have left their home, uh, left all those precious possessions behind. Uh, they're not active like they used to be. Um, they're dealing with grief and loss. Uh, many of them are depressed. Over 50% of them going into facilities are depressed. So I think that's the most paramount thing is that there are people that are around that are stopping and listening to them, stopping and looking 
at them face to face and having that conversation. If your loved one is needing to be fed, um, that the person is actually stopping and feeding them and talking to them, having that conversation with them. And I, I think that's the most important thing. I also think that they need to be ensuring that the person, the resident, is having a say in their care as well. If they're able to have their say, it's not just the daughter or the son that is having all the say, uh, but they're being included in those conversations and they're being heard and they're setting up activities that includes them and is is trying to fulfil what they need so that their quality of life is the best that they they can have. And of course, if there is a chaplain um, or if there isn't, actually asking, um, do you have specific spiritual care workers um, or do you have people from volunteers that are coming in uh, that can spend time with mum or dad uh, with conversations um, and is there somebody that's coming in that, that prays, is there church services or things like that, if that's what mum or dad uh, would like. Because, as you say, it's all about connections and being able to share those moments. Very much so, very much so. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Jenny, for your time and all your insight into spirituality in late life. My pleasure being allowed to let me talk about my passion. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Be sure to become a subscriber on your podcast app of choice so that you don't miss out when I release the next episode. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. So please leave a rating and review too. Over on my website, wisecare.com.au, with one click, you can grab a copy of my three top downloaded resources on mental health and well-being in older age. Let's face it, this can be a complex topic and I want to give you practical strategies to deal with it. Go to wisecare.com.au for your free copy of these three amazing resources. See you in the next episode.